Welcome to the American Railroading Podcast, brought to you by the Revolution Rail Group, live from the great state of Texas. We'll discuss a wide range of topics related to the railroad industry, from regulatory items and the challenges our industry faces, to passenger rail excursions, and recognizing U.S. Armed Forces veterans in our industry. Join us as we educate, entertain, and explore the world of American railroading. Here's your host, industry veteran, Don Walsh. Well, hey, welcome everybody to the American Railroading Podcast. I am your host, Don Walsh, President and CEO of the Revolution Rail Group. We are the anchor sponsor for the American Railroading Podcast. We are a consulting and brokering firm in the rail car industry. So if you're needing help with anything related to rail cars at all, really, uh, buying, selling, leasing, or subleasing rail cars, we can help you with that. We can also help you with anything related to uh, merger and acquisition questions you may have, market analysis, uh, process flow analysis, anything of that nature. We can help you. You can reach out to us at 844-455-3434. You can also email us at info at therevolutionrailgroup.com. And you can look at our full suite of services at our website at therevolutionrailgroup.com. So with that, folks, it's fall. Hard to believe it's fall already. This year is flying by. And here in Texas, we're experiencing a cold front. And by that, I mean, it's 91 degrees today. So, But hey, we'll take it. It's been 100 degrees for two months straight. So I'm good with 91 degrees. Um, so, But the short sleeve shirts are going away in the next episode as the holidays are coming. Hard to believe, right? The leaves are going to start changing and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, but uh, with that uh, idea in mind, um, we really wanted to talk about a fun episode today with some fun rail excursions. I know that we've been talking about doing that uh, for some time now. You hear it on our intro every, every episode right and we're going to get into that today i think you're really going to enjoy it um also want to let you know that we remain in the top 10 percent globally for all podcasts worldwide which is truly incredible um that is over 2.7 million podcasts that we're ahead of in the world which is unbelievable so thank you so much um we've been downloaded in 20 countries so far we've been downloaded on over 32 different podcast platforms like i said previously i didn't even realize there were that many podcast platforms out there um truly a blessing so please continue to download to share to subscribe and also please continue to leave us reviews because the reviews are the way that we're really kind of ranked in podcasts so the interwebs pick up these algorithms based on the reviews that you give us especially on apple Podcasts. Podcasts, uh, Spotify, places like that. Um, it really helps to push us out to more listeners and get us uh, to more people that can hear us and enjoy us. Also, if you've liked what you've heard, you can buy us a cup of coffee. Um, and I know some of you that have listened to our episodes before, you've heard this before. You can go to our website at AmericanRailroading.net. You look at the bottom left-hand corner of your screen, and there's a little yellow coffee cup. And you can click on that coffee cup, and you can buy us one cup, three cups, five cups, or ten cups of coffee. And it goes to help support the podcast and support our endeavors in, in doing the podcast. So if you've already been uh, someone who's bought us a cup of coffee, thank you so much. And if you're looking forward to doing it in the future, thank you as well. Please do not feel obligated, but if you'd like to, we would surely appreciate it. Folks, our challenge coins are in. I am so excited. They look amazing. I actually have one right here next to me. I'm not going to show you yet. You're going to have to wait to the end of the episode. So I hate to give you a teaser, but I have no choice. You're just going to have to wait. And also at the end of the episode, we're going to be announcing our Honor Our Heroes gift package award winner. So we're going to be drawing the name at the end of the episode. So wait through to the end of the episode. Um, don't end when we when we say goodbye to our guest for today. There's going to be more. We're going to do the drawing. We're going to announce the name. Um, we're going to read actually the submission for that for that individual, the winning individual. And I'm really excited about that. So looking forward to that. Uh, we also have our merch coming online. The merch has been designed. It looks incredible. I'm very excited by how everything's turned out. We're talking hats, shirts, hoodies, travel mugs, you name it. Uh, it's going to be there. Um, you'll have your uh, choice of representing American Railroading or the American Railroading Podcast. You'll see that there's both. So, And the reason I did that was because American Railroading is, is a passionate uh, thing for people. You love America. You love railroading. You may be in the industry or you're just a fan. Uh, either way, you can support the podcast itself or you can support American Railroading. And uh, one of the reasons I, I do that as well is that we really want to see people embrace more pride in the, the, the railroading industry that you're in, right, or that you're a fan of. So now you can do that. You can do that proudly with your hat your hoodie, uh, your t-shirts. I think you're going to really like what we've done. Um, 
So I can't wait for you all to see it. And we're hoping to have it go live on our uh, website, AmericanRoading.net, yet um, September. So that's what we're pushing for. So stay tuned. And if you're not following me on LinkedIn already, please do that. Um, I think I have 2,000 some odd followers on LinkedIn. That's where I do the most of my updates. So you'll see when the merch goes live, I will announce it on there even before our next episode. And again, stay tuned to the end of the episode today so you can hear who is our winner of the Honor Our Heroes gift package. And it may be you. So hang in. We're going to be getting to that shortly. So again, you've heard in the intro um, of saying that we're going to be talking about fun railway excursions that folks can do. And today's episode is the first in that series. And I'm really excited to talk about to talk to our guest today and to talk about the Broadmoor, Manitou, and Pikes Peak Railway in Manitou Springs, Colorado. That is a mouthful, I know, um, but it is a wonderful place. It's one of my favorite places to go uh, to do a rail excursion. Anytime I'm in Denver, Colorado Springs, or Pueblo, Colorado, I make sure I make the drive over to Pikes Peak Cog Railway. I absolutely love it, and uh, I'm really excited to have our guest with us today. Our guest is Ted Johnston. Ted is the general manager for the Broadmoor, Manitou, and Pikes Peak Cog Railway in Manitou Springs, Colorado. Ted graduated from the University of Oklahoma, Price College of Business, with a Bachelor of Business Administration degree in Supply Chain Management. We talked about supply chain recently, actually, in a previous episode, so it seems appropriate. Uh, prior to his time at Pikes Peak Cog Railway, Ted was principal consultant for R&L Banks and Associates in Washington, D.C. He was also with Union Pacific Railroad, where he was manager of yard operations in Enid, Oklahoma, which I'm very familiar with, and manager of train operations in Coffeyville, Kansas, which I'm also very familiar with. He's a, also a board Board member of the Manitou Springs Chamber of Commerce. And with that, Ted, I say welcome to the American Railroading Podcast. Hi, Don. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure, and thank you for being here. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to mention about yourself that I had missed that you'd like our audience to know about you? No, I think that pretty well covers my uh, professional background, uh, my time at UP, and my little time of, as a consultant out in D.C., and uh, been here at Pikes Peak for just over five years now. So, very good. So, I have to ask, how in the world did you go from Washington D.C. to the top of Pikes Peak? <laughs> how did you make that transition? Uh, just kind of a right place at the right time. They when they made the decision to rebuild the railway, um, Spencer Wren, who was my predecessor, uh, he looked at the timeline and told our, our executive team at the time that he was uh, thrilled they were going to be rebuilding the railway, but um, he wanted to retire at some oh. point. He'd been with the railway, uh, I think, 38, 39 years at that time. And, um, you know, he and so luckily being owned by uh, Broadmoor and the Insurance Corporation out of Denver, uh, when he informed them of that, they had the foresight to uh, – go and find an assistant general manager that could come in, be a part of the project, uh, learn from Spencer, um, but then also be able to get the reins handed over when the railway reopened and Spencer uh, decided to retire. And a little bit of overall history about COG railways in general. Uh, according to Wikipedia, which of course, everything on Wikipedia, you can find anything on Wikipedia. <laughs> it states in part regarding the history of COG railways that the first COG railway was Middleton Railway between Middleton and Leeds in West Yorkshire, England, where the first commercially successful steam locomotive ran in 1812. Uh, this used a rack and pinion system designed and patented in 1811 by John Blanksop. Now, forgive me, John, if I've mispronounced your name. Uh, the Mountain Cog Railway was, the, uh, the first Mountain Cog Railway was Mount Washington Cog Railway here in the U.S. and New Hampshire, which carried its first fare-paying passengers in 1868. The track was completed to reach the summit of Mount Washington in 1869. And I believe the Cog, uh, Pikes Peak Cog Railway came along shortly thereafter. So can you tell us a little bit about the beginnings of the Pike Peak, Pikes Peak Cog Railway and uh, what made someone decide to do such a thing? Well, so the person that decided to do this is probably somebody that most people have heard of and, but wouldn't have any ideas associated with the Cog Railway. Uh, was a gentleman by the name of uh, Zalman Simmons, which if you've ever slept on a Simmons Beautyrest mattress, it's the same guy. Um, Mr. Simmons was an entrepreneur for his time, and he had invented a, uh, a telegraph 
resistor or insulator for um, the army up on Pikes Peak. And so he uh, went, he came out here and he took a three day burrow ride up to the summit. And uh, supposedly when he got back into Manitou, he told somebody that um, it was worth it for the views, but probably the most inhumane thing he's ever done. <laughs> and so um, at that point, somebody recommended a uh, mountain railway to Mr. Simmons. And so he went back to Kenosha, Wisconsin, where he was from. And at the time raised $1.5 million and came back out to Manitou Springs and had the uh, Pikes Peak Cog Railway built. Wow. That's unbelievable. I didn't know any of that. And I'm sure our listeners didn't either. Uh, that's great. So can you take a moment and explain to our listeners what they also may not know, which is what is a Cog Railway? Right. So unlike your typical uh, railway that you see just anywhere in the U.S., um, a, a rack railway or a cog railway, we've got a center third rail and the trains have a cog wheel underneath that hooks into that center third rail. And we get all our traction and braking through the cog wheels using that center rail. Whereas with a typical adhesion railway, the traction motors on a locomotive, you know, provide the majority of the traction and braking through the running rails. Where with us, the running rails are essentially just there to guide the train up the mountain. And I try to explain it to people. It's like a watch gear almost, right? How it, how it locks in there and it actually pulls the train. It, up. It, that's correct. And you know, everything is, um, the measurements, um, are just down to the millimeters and how everything fits. It, it's, uh, such a, a precise engineering model and, uh, learned a lot more about, um, engineering during our rebuild project than I ever thought I would. I imagine so, for sure. And I don't think that train could make it to the top of Pikes Peak without a cog system, right? Correct. Um, our average gradient is 16%, and we've got four locations of 25%, and then one very short location, 26%, that is our steepest grade. Very good. And you're based in Manitou Springs, Colorado, which is a short drive from Colorado Springs for those that aren't familiar. Um, it's a really neat city, I think, and I truly feel when you get in there, you truly feel like you're in a mountain town. Uh, what can you tell us about uh, Manitou Springs? So, like you said, it's a quaint little mountain town here at the base of Pikes Peak. Um, really driving over from Colorado Springs into Manitou Springs really never know you left one and came into the other that's how close we are um but we're a you know generally a tourist town and you know our summer season of memorial day to labor day is by far our our busiest time of the year and um you know we're right here at the base of pikes peak we're home to you know quite a few different attractions and uh, plenty of hiking trails mountain biking trails uh, Manitou um, is known for its uh, its springs, though. Um, when this town was founded back in the, I believe it was late 1800s, um, it was originally founded because uh, people from the East Coast would come out and come to the spas here in Manitou because they thought it helped cure tuberculosis. And so, um, you know, and one thing that, you know, as medicine evolved over time, it was really just the dry climate here in Colorado that helped with that. But that was really how the town got its founded. Yeah, that was some pretty good marketing from whoever came up with that, right? And as you drive into Manitou Springs, uh, you see an old steam locomotive on display at a park on your right-hand side as you come in, or as you come through, um, which I believe is one of the original Pikes Peacock Railway locomotives. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, number two uh, is down in Manitou Springs. And there's a nice little uh, display there. It gives you a bunch of the history of, of the railway, the, the use of the steam locomotives. And um, it, it's just a nice little welcome into Manitou. Yeah, it's really neat. I, I stop there pretty much every time, even though I've seen it countless times. And there's a, a little uh, creek that runs through the little park there as well. And there's always deer running around. It's, it's really a neat a neat location. And uh, I, I believe I've told you before that I actually have a print of that. I believe it's that locomotive, but it's a locomotive on the Pikes Peacock Railway from 1914 uh, actually in action, which is really neat. So I always enjoy seeing it when I come into town. Uh, as you continue to drive through Manitou Springs toward the railway, uh, the roads get a little bit narrower 
and, and you can really feel it getting higher. Uh, so what's the elevation of the Pikes Peak Cog Railway like depot? Uh, so right here at the depot, we're right around 6,200 feet. And um, as you go up the mountain, you'll gain 7,800 feet about. And the summit of Pikes Peak is 14,115 feet. Wow. And as you make your way through those narrow roads that I talked about, uh, you pass these cute homes that are built into the hillsides on either side. And then there's a sudden clearing. And on the left-hand side, you can see the, the depot, um, the t which has the ticket office, uh, the gift shop, etc. And the architecture of the building, uh, to me, always reminds me of something I would see in the Swiss Alps, I would think, right? So is that kind of the intent behind it? Do you know? Yeah, so we jokingly refer to it as a Bavarian Victorian and um when we had our big renovation project um you know we were looking at things that we could change or do differently with our business but one thing that we were not going to change was the look and feel of this historic depot um just like you said the feeling of you pull up and all of a sudden you feel like you're immersed in the swiss alps it's just uh, it's a fantastic we're located in a really fantastic place with great architecture and it just adds to the ambiance of the railway. It certainly does. And with Pikes Peak in the background, it's, it is truly picturesque. So walking through the process now, right? Once you get there, you park your car, uh, you go buy your tickets. And the next stop is the gift shop, which I always make a run for the gift shop, whether I need something or not. <laughs> and uh, so folks can tell I've been there a few times. Um, but there's no shortage of goodies in there, right? So it's included... Um, with the goodies, there's some important items for sale, such as sweaters, hats, and gloves, which it may be, you know, reasonably warm at the depot, but folks may not think about the fact that it might be a little cooler up top. So on the one visit, I went ahead and bought myself a hoodie, and I'm, I'm sure glad that I did because it was significantly cooler as we went up in elevation. Um, so what kind of temperature variations can there be from the base uh, at the depot where folks board the trains to the top of Pikes Peak? So generally we see a 30 to 40 degree drop in temperature by the time you get to the summit. You factor in that um, up on the summit, there's nothing to protect you from the elements. And uh, especially in the winter, you just get the slightest breeze and the, the wind chill drops even further than what the actual temperature is. Um, but, you know, also too in the winter though, it's when it's most clear up there, it's so crisp. Um, there's times you can see uh, Denver International Airport from the summit of Pikes Peak. It's pretty, pretty impressive that time of year. So. I had no idea. That's really cool. Um, so if folks, if they don't have their hats and gloves when they come, they can always buy some at the gift shop there, and I highly recommend that. Um, some other very important items in the gift shop, which you may not think about, is bottled water, and you even have, um, or I believe you still have, the oxygen canisters, right? Um, both are worth considering uh, for folks due to the significant increase in elevation from the train depot to the top and, and the pace at which the uh, elevation changes take place. So can you take a moment and talk about how water and or the, the oxygen canisters could help make someone's ride a little more comfortable, especially if they're concerned about the altitude? Absolutely. So um, water is the best way to combat the effects of altitude. And so for those that don't know, um, as you get to the summit of Pikes Peak, you're down to about 60% of oxygen that you normally have here at the base. And so it just takes your body a little while to adjust. Um, you might feel a little woozy initially. Most people get over it, you know, fairly quickly. Um, but for those that have a little tougher time, we do have uh, oxygen available. And just, uh, you know, a little puff of oxygen every now and then up on the summit can really keep you going. And um, so, yeah, we, we highly encourage our customers to, to drink plenty of water. Um, we do offer the oxygen. Uh, one thing I, I do like to say, tell everybody, though, is uh, we don't just sell regular single-use plastic bottle waters here anymore. Um, as part of our sustainability initiatives, we've moved to reusable water bottles. Um, they do cost a little more than your single-use plastic, but that's one thing that we're really focusing on is uh, our sustainability initiatives. Yeah, which is wonderful. And how long does it typically take to get from the depot to the top? It's an hour and 10-minute ride up. Um, that's your typical. Um, usually, if you're on the first couple trains of the day and don't have any train meets along the line, you can make it in about 55 minutes, though. Okay. 
and once the train is underway, uh, the ride of the top is truly breathtaking. I have done it. I've never made it to the very, very top, um, and I'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, the ride is breathtaking. The views are amazing. Beautiful trees. I don't know how else to explain it, but babbling brooks, little creeks that you'll see along the way as well, um, rock formations. And I took a, a lot of pictures, and I always do. I laugh at myself because I've been there several times, and I still take pictures <laughs> like I've never been there before because I always see something different. Um, so in addition to the great views, you also have a great staff, and I'd love to compliment you on your staff. They're, they're amazing, um, and they tell stories along the way. So can you tell the, our listeners a little bit about the wonderful staff that you have and uh, what the they can experience on their ride um, with your team as far as the storytelling and the journey itself? Absolutely. And, and like you said, we have a fantastic group here at the railway. Um, they really do care about our customers and do everything they can to make sure they provide um, a top-notch journey. You know, we are owned by a, a five-star, five-diamond hotel, so customer service is to always top of mind around here. Um, so as you go up the mountain, um, our conductors, they're, of course, their number one priority is the safety of the customers on board, first and foremost. But secondly, is to provide some entertainment. And so as the train goes up the mountain, they point out um, different geologic formations. They talk about the history of Pikes Peak. Uh, but what they're best known for is some of the corny dad jokes that they throw in along the way. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I've had people that are um, repeat customers come up and always tell me that, you know, their favorite joke is, uh, you know, when we start down the mountain, the conductors will say, you know, we've got three different types of brakes on this train. But just in case, there's two big springs at the bottom, Manitou Springs and Colorado Springs. And that one sticks with everybody. <laughs> and so um, they, they really do a good job, though. And um, as much as they enjoy giving the spiel going up the mountain, what they enjoy more is talking with the customers on the way down. Because on the way down the mountain, they go row by row on the train, ask if customers have any questions. And we really try to be a, a good source of knowledge, not just about the railway, but the Pikes Peak region as a whole. Yeah. And let's take a, just a moment and talk about the Pikes Peak region, um, because there is a huge rally, right? And that's what I first thought of before I ever went to Pikes Peak, is I heard all about this race. So I know it's not necessarily a part of what you do, but can you just take a moment and touch on the history of Pikes Peak and some of that fun stuff? Right. So uh, Pikes Peak is uh, the, the tallest mountain on the Front Range here in Colorado Springs at 14,115 feet. It truly stands out amongst the rest of the mountains here in the region. Um, and being right at the base, or with Colorado Springs being right at the base, it draws, I, last I heard, I think over a million people a year um, to Pikes Peak. Not, uh, not the region as a whole, but just Pikes Peak itself. And um, so the really the it started with Spencer Penrose, um, who constructed the Pikes Peak Highway, um, who later ended up buying the railway in 1926. But um, you mentioned the, the race. Um, so the, uh, the Broadmoor Pikes Peak Hill Climb is the second longest running race in the U.S. Uh, they just had the 101st running this June. And um, basically, they'll race 13 of the 21 miles. And um, typically, it, it takes about an hour to do that drive um, from the, uh, the eight-mile marker up to the top. Uh, these guys nowadays are doing it in under eight minutes. And uh, it's quite the uh, harrowing experience to watch, considering there's no guardrails on the, on the road. Um, and, you know, you see you drive it yourself and you're white knuckling it. And then to imagine these guys going over a hundred miles an hour on, on this side of a mountain, it's just, uh, it's a different experience. It, it's fun to watch though. And, uh, uh, it, you really see some unique vehicles. It's, uh, you know, it's rally car racing, which really isn't that big here in the States, but, um, it draws a lot of international visitors. Um, a lot of international race teams come to compete. Um, they've even gotten, uh, it's gotten so much uh, exposure lately that some of these race teams are now, they're renting out the highway ahead of the race and doing their own private testing on the road. Um, it, it's really grown in popularity recently. And 
um, even during our rebuild project, working with all the engineers and the teams out of Europe, the first thing they always talked about was the road race. It was never our railway. And, um, you know, so it just goes to show that uh, the race has just a huge reach internationally. Yeah, it does indeed. And uh, like I said, it was the first thing I thought of before I ever visited Pikes Peak. But now the reason I go is because of the railway. And that's that's absolutely true every time I'm in town. So the last time that I rode the train, uh, we made a stop at about 11,000 feet at, I believe it's called the Lookout Point, uh, which had thankfully had restrooms because I did exactly what you said. I drank a lot of water <laughs> on the ride up there. Um, but I believe, uh, it's my understanding that the trains no longer make the stop there. Um, partially because of the new trains and the refurbished trains uh, that are more efficient and more and faster. So the ride doesn't take quite as long, which is great news. And we'll get to that in just a minute about the improvements that took place and, uh, and every, all the changes that have taken place uh, a little later on. Now, speaking of stories that we talked about earlier, um, I recall passing a section crew house, I believe it's called at about 12,000 feet. And, and I believe you have a story about that. Yeah. So, uh, long time ago the section crew actually used to live on the mountain at an area we call windy point which is about 12 a little over twelve thousand feet and um there were lots of stories about the guys that lived up there and but one of the most uh, famous stories is there was actually a, a child born in that house and uh, that child later went on to become the uh, work on the section crew and then eventually become the section foreman um, and my understanding is, unfortunately, he passed away just a few years ago. Um, but it's quite amazing to think that there was a baby born on the, not just on the side of the mountain, but on, uh, on our railway on the side of the mountain and, uh, ended up sticking around and, uh, spending his whole career here. Yeah, that, that's a wonderful story. I love it. And unfortunately, we weren't able to continue to the top of the mountain that day uh, due to a blizzard. Um, but some of my fellow passengers were kind enough to take pictures of, of me um, on the track with the elevation behind me. And it's still one of my favorite pictures uh, today. And for those that do make it to the top, um, what will they experience when they get up there? So um, in conjunction with our project, the uh, city of Colorado Springs and the U.S. Forest Service um, recently rebuilt uh, or built a new uh, Pikes Peak Visitor Center up on the summit, a uh, new building, um, more boardwalks around the summit of the mountain. Um, and then the, the neat thing is with the construction that they did along with our construction, uh, the summit of Pikes Peak is now fully accessible. So for anyone with disabilities, uh, no matter how you get to the summit of Pikes Peak, anybody can now enjoy all the facilities that are up there. And um, their project uh, was quite fascinating to watch because they had to uh, dig down into the permafrost. There was a lot of blasting involved. And so it, it was neat to see that as well as uh, what we were doing. And the fact that both projects were able to um, be done at the same time and then come together for a grand reopening on June 30th of 2021. Um, it was really special for not just for all of us involved, but for the city of Pikes Peak or the city of Colorado Springs, city of Manitou Springs, the whole Pikes Peak region. Um, it, it was truly special. And so now um, with our project and their project, we've, we've set Pikes Peak up to be a, a great tourist destination for the next 100 years. Absolutely. And I recall being told by our guides on the way down, you mentioned earlier about how they like to talk to you on the way down. Um, I remember being told that for them to have a switch side. So the, whatever side you rode up on to the, to the top, you switch and ride on the other side of the car on the way down so you can see um, more of the, um, the trees and things that you missed on the way up, which I thought was a great idea as well, which of course we did. The Pikes Peacock Railway, as you've mentioned, um, went through a $100 million, which is staggering, uh, three-year renovation starting, I believe, in 2018. And I remember when it began, I'm like, oh, man, I hope they reopen, <laughs> you know, because my fear was, oh, gosh, you know, are they really going to be able to finish this? Because it seemed like a huge task, right? And But you did. It was a great undertaking, but you did it. 
And uh, can you take us through that and what all was done, what improvements were made, uh, including the train cars themselves? Yeah, so um, we literally looked at everything when we did this project from the track to the trains to our depot facility down to restrooms. I mean, every detail was looked at. And so the initial thought was the railway would do some heavy maintenance um, on the on the track and get reopened for the summer of 2018. But it just quickly became apparent that the cost of the heavy maintenance was almost in line with just replacing everything as new. And so um, being owned by the Anschutz Corporation and, and being a company that really has the foresight on things, um, the decision was made to go ahead and rebuild everything, uh, rebuild the infrastructure as new. So then it became a, a while we're at it project. And uh, so it was, well, while we're at it, let's get some new trains. Let's refurbish some new trains. Let's renovate our depot facilities. And so um, what initially was going to be about, a, I think, 30 to $40 million infrastructure rehab turned into a hundred million dollar complete overhaul of the entire business. And so um, with that, we purchased uh, three new trains from Stadler uh, out of Switzerland, who is the only manufacturer of cog equipment in the world. Um, we ripped up the old, uh, much of the original actually infrastructure from 1890 and, um, replaced that with all new track. Um, we brought in ballast for the first time, um, new, new ties. We actually use steel ties, um, new rack rail, uh, new running rail, everything. And, uh, we refurbished four of our, uh, trains that ran previously on the line. We actually did that with our own in-house, uh, shop team. And so that was really neat. That was kind of the only, portion of the project that we truly controlled. Most of the rest was contractors, but um, we take a lot of pride in the refurbishment of those four trains just because it, we did it ourselves. And that piece of the project was completed 90 days ahead of schedule and about a million dollars ahead of budget. And so um, the fact that our guys were able to deliver that like they did was truly fantastic. And, um, we had this little thing called COVID that popped up during our project and uh, it actually delayed our new trains. And so being able to have those refurbished trains done and ready to go allowed us to still open on time and, uh, you know, start getting people back up America's mountain early. Yeah. And what was neat is you guys did videos as it was going through. So if, if folks were following you on social media, you did a great job of uh, keeping your fans up to speed on what was happening. And uh, so kudos to that and for getting done on time and ahead and ahead on, on pricing. Goodness, <laughs> that's always a good thing. So uh, but that was a huge effort. So congratulations to you and your team uh, on that. Um, now, I always thought that for whatever reason, uh, that the Broadmoor had bought Pikes Peak Railway in 2018 when this project started, and then the project commenced as a um, result of that acquisition. But however, you actually corrected me on that uh, recently, um, that it's actually been a Broadmoor property uh, much longer than that. So can you take us through a bit of the history there? Right. So Spencer Penrose, who built the Broadmoor Hotel in 1918, um, he had a lot of different things here in the Pikes Peak region that he was involved in and one of which was the Pikes Peak Highway. And so he originally constructed the Pikes Peak Highway. And then and, um, he ended up buying the railway in 1926 with the thought of just putting it out of business because it was a competitor to his highway. Well, once he made the purchase and got into the business, realized that the railway was also a great business and that it could exist um, side by side with the highway and provide people options to get to the summit of Pikes Peak. And so um, since 1926, we've been owned by the Broadmoor. And, um, but really with this project, we really made a push to make the railway more a part of the Broadmoor, um, just in terms of branding and um, marketing, things of that nature, and which, which is great. The Broadmoor um, is a great resort. It has a, a huge reach internationally here in the U.S., and uh, it's just a fantastic property to be associated with. 
Yeah, and, and, and having said that, once fit folks finish their journey on the Cog Railway, there are more Broadmoor-related places to visit while they're in town, and I do every time. And I try to make the rounds. I haven't even been to all of them yet. Um, but one of my favorites is the Broadmoor Hotel itself. It is stunning. And as you said earlier, um, it's the longest-running Forbes five-star AAA five-diamond resort in the world, which is incredible. Um, it's most stunning to me, especially at the holidays. The way that they do up Christmas is unbelievable. Um, the one time I was there, I saw being a train guy and loving trains. It was a it was a full time Steve locomotive made out of chocolate and cookies. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I mean, I would have made every effort to, to eat as much of that as I could, but they they wouldn't let me. They, they wouldn't let me pass the ropes. <laughs> but uh, and I thought it was the coolest thing. Um, so, can you give us a little bit of history? What you do know of the Broadmoor Hotel um, itself? Yeah, so as you mentioned, it's uh, the longest-running Forbes five-star uh, five hotel in the world. Um, it has about 784 guest rooms. We've got two ch uh, championship golf courses. In fact, uh, the East Course will be hosting the 2025 U.S. Senior Open here in a couple of years. Um, for those of you that might be interested in, in golf, and uh, Phil Mickelson will be competing uh, in the Senior Tour at that time, so we hope he makes an appearance uh, for that tournament, uh, we have a, a five-star spa that is truly spectacular. Um, tons of great restaurants. Uh, we have uh, an Italian restaurant, Restaurante del Lago, uh, Steakhouse, La Taverne. Um, Summit is another one of our fine restaurants. Um, so just plenty to do. Um, we also, from an attraction standpoint, have uh, the Broadmoor Seven Falls which uh, we refer to as the grandest mile of scenery in all of Colorado. Um, you walk into this canyon. It's about a mile back to the, the back of the canyon. But when you get there, you just have this magnificent waterfall, along with another one of our restaurants, Restaurant 1858, which is unique in that it serves more of a Colorado flair um, on the menu. Food is absolutely fantastic. But, um, you know, once you get back there, if you want to, uh, grab a drink and just take in the scenery. It's, it's a great place to do it. Um, in fact, this year they even rolled out a, a little food truck back in there called Falling Waffles. It, it serves some of the best ice cream and waffle cones you can have, you can find anywhere. Um, I really enjoy it. I think it's fantastic. Um, we also have uh, our soaring adventure. Um, we have uh, two uh, zipline courses. Um, so you can either do one course individually or you can combine both courses. I recommend combining both courses. Um, you just you zip through this canyon and you just it's a whole new ex way to take in the scenery of uh, Colorado Springs. And uh, there's some rope bridges that are uh, a little hairy if you're <laughs> if you're scared of heights. But um, and it, it's just it's so interesting and unique to go on that zip lining course and just take it all in. Um, let's see, what else do we offer? Well, uh, we also, in conjunction with our partner, Broadmoor Outfitters, offer a, a cog up, bike down the Pikes Peak Highway experience. Um, that's typically just in the summer and weather permitting on the highway. But you, uh, you show up here at the depot, you ride the train up, and then your guide meets you on the summit and puts you on a bicycle and takes you down the Pikes Peak Highway. So it gives you an opportunity to experience uh, both sides of the mountain. That is neat. I never heard about that. So I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something I would definitely love to do. And uh, the zip lining, I've never done it there, but I have done zip lining before. And you're right. The rope bridges are the biggest challenge, but it's also just it's a, always a great view. And uh, the zip lining itself is the fun part. You know, zipping through the trees, I, oh, think, absolutely. I think is great. Now, and, and you beat me to the punch on Seven Falls in 1858. So I did that for the first time during my last visit. And I got to tell folks, it is stunningly beautiful, especially at night. So I had dinner at 1858 with a good friend of mine uh, that we lovingly call Mayor McDubbs. If he's listening, he's in the Pueblo area and um, a dear friend. And we had dinner there. And then afterwards, you had all of the uh, the lights 
coming down the falls. And that is something you, you photographs don't do it justice. You really have to see it in person. So for everyone visiting, make sure you stop by Seven Falls for sure. And you went through with a myriad of things um, that you have there, which is great. At Soaring Adventures definitely caught my attention. Something else that caught my attention was a fly fishing camp that you have out there. Um, and then various luxury mountain stays, including Cloud Camp, which just the name of it alone sounds really cool. And uh, so people can make an entire vacation out of it, starting with their visit to the Pikes Peak Cog Railway and, and going from there. There's so many things that folks can do. And uh, they can check out different adventures that they can do at broadmoor.com. And it's spelled B-R-O-A-D-M-O-O-R, broadmoor.com. So I also believe you have a relationship with the Grand Canyon Railway. Can you tell us a bit about them? Yeah, so the Grand Canyon Railway is our sister railway out in Williams, Arizona. Uh, it's owned by our sister company, Zantera, who does um, a lot in national parks and so um, they they own the, the railway. And uh, if you're ever out west uh, going out on I-40 and want to stop and do a train trip, you can stop there in Williams. They even have their own hotel associated with the railway. So you can put yourself up for the night and then uh, take the train out to the south rim of the Grand Canyon. And that's something that I would love to do. I've only been out there once and uh, I visited, it was, um, it was a Holopi, I believe Holopi Indian tribe reservation uh, that we got to go out and check out the Grand Canyon that way, which is amazing seeing it from the top because there was a glass walkway that uh, was a 4,000 foot straight drop <laughs> that took a little bit of courage to stand on. <laughs> but uh, of course, knowing me, I was up there jumping up and down on it and freaking people out. So uh, you're welcome, <laughs> everybody. Um, but to see it from the, the railway, I think would be truly incredible. And that's something I am definitely going to do. So thank you uh, for sharing that with us. So I have to ask in your time there, what is your favorite thing to do since you've been at the Pikes Peak Cog Railway? I just enjoy being able to go up the mountain. I, I mean, and especially in the wintertime. Like I said, you know, it, it's absolutely gorgeous in the summer, but I think people discount the winter just because of the colder temperatures. And I don't blame them, but once you get up there and experience just a clear, crisp winter day, even if the temperature up on top is around 20, 25 degrees, the sun's out, it can truly just be a beautiful experience. And with the new Pikes Peak Visitor Center, um, you know, you don't have to stay outside too long. You can just take in the views and then run inside, warm up, uh, grab a famous Pikes Peak donut, check out the new interpretive exhibits that they have in there, and really immerse yourself in, in the history of Pikes Peak. Um, that That's one of my favorites. But also, too, uh, with fall coming up, um, the fall colors on the mountain are spectacular. And we have a large aspen grove that we go right through. Um, and the aspens are typically between eight and 11,000 feet. And um, even though, even still, once you go through the aspen grove, we'll take a turn and start going up the side of the mountain. And you'll have the ability to look back and look down on the aspen grove and just see it from a completely different angle and all the different reds, golds, oranges that you see the, this time of year coming up, it's truly unbelievable. I agree, it's it's beautiful. And um, what time of year, like we're coming up on it, I'm assuming when it starts to change. So what would be a great time if somebody wants to see the color change up there? So actually here over about the next three weeks is really gonna be our, our peak uh, changeover. I've, I've already gotten reports that way up top uh, right close to tree line they're starting to see a little bit of change over and so that'll just start working its way down the mountain uh, here over the next couple of weeks and um, really encourage anybody that really loves fall colors um, to come out and, and check it out i totally agree and and something um that I also wanted to mention really quick, and people will probably laugh at me for this, but regarding the Broadmoor Hotel, going back to that really quick, um, it so captivated me that I thought to myself, geez, this would be a, a wonderful place to get married if I ever did. Um, and my friends will probably laugh at me for that because uh, knowing that I've never been married, but hey, it could happen, right? And so you actually did get married there. And so, right? I did get married there. Yeah. So yep. t tell us a little bit about uh, that. We got married out there uh, May of uh, 2022, and uh, it was everything both of us could have wanted in a wedding. 
That is great. And I can only imagine uh, it was probably uh, like a storybook, I would imagine. It was it's just such a beautiful place. So believe it or not, we're getting near the end of our episode already. So are there any other thoughts that you'd like to share with our audience before we go? Any fun events that are coming up around the holidays? Yeah. So um, we've got a couple things coming up here over the next few months. Um, first is on October 9th, uh, we'll have our last sunrise train of the year. Um, that's something that's just started this year in conjunction with the uh, Pikes Peak Highway. And we've done uh, four sun or four sunrise openings. And so obviously you, um, you get on the train well before sunrise and we make our way up the mountain and we get up there just in time to watch the sun come out. Um, yeah, weather dependent, uh, of course, this time of year. Um, in fact, our last sunrise train, we actually didn't get to see the sun at all. But when we got to the summit, we had uh, six inches of fresh snow that had fallen overnight. And um, But one thing that I enjoy about our sunrise trains is um, we're partnering with different um, groups in Manitou Springs, and we're donating a portion of the ticket proceeds from those sunrise trains back to organizations in town. Um, this next one coming up on October 9th will be benefiting the Man- Manitou Springs School District. Um, and then on uh, September 29th, actually, we're partnering with uh, the Mineral Springs Foundation here in town. They're the group that actually maintains all the springs that Manitou is historically known for. Um, they're doing a fall foliage trip where you can buy a ticket through them and um, ride the four o'clock train on that Friday go up, see the fall colors, and then come back into town. And then they're doing a a Swiss-themed dinner at one of the restaurants in town um, to go along with our Swiss theme here at the railway. Um, So that's coming up. And then um, once we get into the holidays, uh, Santa Claus will be at the depot um, every weekend between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, And then even that whole week of Christmas, uh, he'll be here. And so um, that's one thing that we... We enjoy doing we we don't do um, the Polar Express or a, a Santa train and that's mainly from a safety perspective um, when we're going up 25% grades we just can't have people out in the aisleways doing all the singing and dancing that that comes with that production and so we we find our own way to put a spin on on the holidays and um, similar as you mentioned you know the the way that Broadmoor decorates itself during the holiday time. We also decorate the depot and um, put our Christmas lights up. And especially at night, it looks fantastic. And so um, that's what we have coming up. Um, One thing I would like to tell everybody is, um, you know, as part of our rebuild, we've moved uh, completely to e-ticketing. So go online, purchase your tickets in advance. That's the best way to guarantee you a seat on the train. Um, uh, we do still have a ticket office, but if you do show up and try to buy a ticket, we can't guarantee that there's any availability for walk-ups. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And I was just going to ask, where can people learn more about you and Pikes Peak Cog Railway? Cograilway.com is our website. Um, and then we're also on all the major social media channels. Uh, Pikes Peak Cog Railway is, is our handle on, on all those social channels. And I believe now I know you have a camera at the top of Pikes Peak, which I think is pretty cool. Can people access that and see that also? So the summit cameras are actually hosted on the city of Colorado Springs website. Um, You can go on there and there's uh, about three or four different views of the railway itself. And then the rest are just views around the summit. So if you just want to see what the summit of Pikes Peak looks like, see how much snow we might have up there, things like that. You can go there. We have a depot webcam that's live on our website, though. Um, You can go there and you can watch all the comings and goings of the trains here at the depot. Um, I I know I've got quite a few followers out there that watch that religiously and email us asking why certain things were going on at the depot and certain times of the day, um, which always is entertaining to me. Uh, We also have webcams for all our other Broadmoor properties on there as well. So if you want to see what Southern Falls looks like or see what Cloud Camp looks like, you're welcome to go there and see that and hopefully uh, talk yourself into a trip to the Broadmoor. 
That's great. And as I said, uh, you're one of my favorite places to visit. I will be visiting again here soon. I actually uh, was not able to come and do the train ride when I was there in April of this year, but I will be coming back. So when I do, I'll be sure to, to see you and say hello. And also for everybody listening, if you notice a little whistle in the background every once in a while, <laughs> that was your little steam whistle from the trains, right? That's correct. Our, our new trains have the, uh, the old style steam whistle on them. And um, our refurbished trains have more of your typical train horn. Yeah, because every once in a while you can hear that little train whistle in the background, which I think is perfect for our yeah. episodes. So that's that's really cool. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us today, Ted. And uh, would you be willing to join us on a future episode? Absolutely. Great. Well, we would love to have you. Maybe we could do something uh, where actually you're on scene and, and taking a ride to the top. And we'll figure out a way to do that. I think that would be wonderful. But thank you again so much, and we look forward to talking to you here again soon. And folks, don't go anywhere, because we're going to be announcing our Honor Our Heroes gift package award winner with our friends from Boots for Troops right here in Magnolia, Texas. And with that, I'd like to welcome the co-founders of Boots for Troops, Jimmy and Lindsay Rogers. Welcome to you both. And Lindsay, welcome to the American Railroading Podcast for your first time. Jimmy's joined us before, but welcome. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I know everyone's anxious to have us draw the winner of the Honor Our Heroes gift package uh, sponsored by Boots for Troops. But I'd like to take a moment and have y'all tell everybody about Boots for Troops for those that aren't familiar. So Boots for Troops, what we do is uh, we I kind of compare us like a USO type organization where we're really focused on active duty troops, raising their morale and uh, supporting their mental well-being while they're deployed or serving on active duty. So. We do it through a few different programs. We're uh, primary, our primary program and how we got started was our custom care package program, which is what we're going to be doing here for one of your listeners very soon. They're going to provide a custom care package, but through that program, we learn about the service member, where they're from, their favorite sports team, favorite snacks, uh, what they're missing from home. And we try to build a box that's specific to the individual. So no mass production of care packages. It's very custom. And it makes the impact when the service member receives the box much greater. Um, <clears throat> so that's our first program. Our second program is our travel assistance program where we assist service members who find themselves in emergency situations like a death in the immediate family, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, sibling. And if they're E4 and below, we, we sponsor a round trip flight home for them to be with their family for a funeral or just any type of emergency situation. And then also during the holidays, we sponsor flights for E4 and below to go home. If they have not been home in more than two years, we let them go home for Christmas or, or Thanksgiving or some holiday. <clears throat> we believe that uh, going home and spending time with your family is important. We all want to be around family during the holidays. It's a very meaningful time of the year. So it's important that we do that to keep their morale high. We're mm -hmm. all about boosting the morale. Mm -hmm. um, our third program is Honor Our Heroes, which is... What we're doing also with what we're doing here today, drawing a winner for the Honor Our Heroes to send them a custom care package. And basically that that uh, program is very diverse. It's our way to honor veterans around the country through uh, things like what we're doing here today, drawing a winner, sending a care package, but also honoring them on stage at our events, recognizing their service, um, providing disaster relief if you know a natural disaster hits an area and a, and a veteran needs you know, new furniture or a place to stay <clears throat> temporary. So we help with things like that. Um, we also provide a service dog through the Honor Our Heroes program for a veteran each year. So we train the, or we've, we've raised the money to have the dog trained and completely certified to be a uh, service dog. Um, and then we award it to the veteran who has a disability. And then lastly, our military spouse scholarship is we provide scholarships to military spouses serving on active duty with a uh, husband or wife so that when they transition back to civilian life, we hope that it puts them in a better situation to uh, be successful in the civilian world. So both, both husband and wife have some sort of training skill set or career path. So it sets the family up for better success. Thank you. And Boots for Troops has truly been a blessing to so many families. So thank you all for everything you do. Well, uh, I know I just said a whole lot there. <laughs> no, that was great, especially for folks that aren't familiar. Right. And uh, and folks can also always learn more about you at uh, the website, too, as well. Boots, the number four, troops.org. 
group. Um, so how did the Honor Our Heroes gift packages come about? What made you decide to do something like that? Again, when we started, we were really focused on active duty. And um, there was a lot of people in our community locally that were reaching out. You know, the American people tend to think when they see anything military, they think that automatically includes all military. So active duty, veteran, uh, anybody who served. In the beginning, we weren't really doing anything with veterans. It was like focusing on active duty. So we decided to start honoring um, how, you know, how can we get involved with the veterans in our community? So we decided to start honoring veterans at our events on stage. And we didn't want to just bring them up there and say, hey, this is so-and-so served in the Navy or whatever. We wanted to give them something of some sort of token of appreciation. And that's what we do with these uh, honor our heroes boxes. Um, it's basically not, it's not, it's like sending a box to a deploy, a deploy troop. We're doing the same thing, except we're just giving it to a veteran here. So we're getting to know that veteran, what their favorite sports teams are, what their favorite <clears throat> snacks are, favorite. Maybe they have a favorite bakery. Maybe they have a favorite sports team or a favorite um, hobby or something like that. And we build up a package so that they can receive something that's for them. Yeah. And um, what would you say is uh, like? What can they look forward to? So our winner for this uh, drawing and other drawings, because we're going to do this again, hopefully as well, maybe next year. Um, so I know you mentioned whiskey. Maybe they may have some mm -hmm. with their favorite whiskey. Since they're stateside, so. we can, uh, we can <laughs> talk about that. Yep, yep. And, hey, why not? Um, but we will be calling the winner and we will be asking them what their favorite things are, right? So it'll yeah. be specifically tailored yeah. to them, which I think is pretty cool. And we'll definitely include something, you know, to do with obviously their branch of service and some just really cool tokens of appreciation. Yeah. That's really where the organiz our, our organization like is, that's how we, we're so unique is when people think care package, they think a bunch of boxes and stuff just put in a box of scent. Our team really goes to the to great lengths to really truly understand the individual and the customization of the package. So it makes it very, very special for them. Well, and Lindsay, I remember at Christmas, um, we also had letters that were in individual care packages, mm -hmm. right? The people that were packing the boxes were putting letters in there. And then there were Christmas cards that some of the elderly had, had handcrafted yes, as well. Yes. Um, that I thought were pretty neat. So it's very special, I think, for, for folks. Okay. Um, so with that, should we draw our winner? Yeah, I think so. Okay. So for those... <laughs> For those of you watching, um, using my Chicago Bears hard hat for this, um, because we <laughs> at least it'll be one way they're involved in a winner. Um, and I'm saying that as a diehard Bears fan, so uh, <clears throat> love you, but uh, yeah, do better. So <laughs> we feel the same way about the Texans. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, Lindsay, will you do the honors? Of course. Okay, I'm closing, closing my eyes. All right, let's see. Joe Mallet. Oh boy. So. US Marine Corps Corporal and he works for CSX Transportation, is that right? That is right. Works for them. Yep. Congratulations, Joe. Uh, I know you're going to be thrilled about this. Joe is an avid follower of the podcast. Um, he's also uh, on LinkedIn. So he does he comments on our LinkedIn posts. Um, and he, he uh, I believe, gave us a review for the podcast as well. So, Joe, thank you so much. Thank you for your service. And also, Joe had several people uh, send in nominations for him, uh, including his wife, Kelsey. So shout out to Kelsey as well. Thank you for nominating Joe. And uh, it's it's such a heartfelt um email that she sent and i'm not gonna be able to go through the whole thing uh unfortunately at this point but i am gonna put him on blast kelsey on linkedin when we when we announce this so don't worry he's gonna get his uh his chance to, to get his name out there even more so but uh, a little bit about joe uh so this he was served in the u.s marine corps he's a corporal uh year served from 2006 to 2010 uh, for medals and awards uh cultural and language proficiency proficiency commendation Martial Arts Instruction Service Commendation, Good Conduct Medal, Sea uh, Service Ribbon, Iraqi Campaign Medal, Global War and Terrorism Medal, National Defense Medal, uh, current, uh, current company CSX Transportation, uh, as you said, Lindsay. Uh, he's a welder for maintenance of way. And for those of us in the industry, we know exactly what that is. And uh, gosh, you know, I, I do want to read some of this because some of what she said was, was just so awesome. Um, gosh, I, I really want to read the whole thing. I just don't know if I can because she, she's written so many wonderful things. Well, if they go follow you on Facebook or LinkedIn, then yeah, I mean, the story. I'm going to try to, you know what, maybe that's a great idea, folks. Maybe I'll just put the whole thing out on LinkedIn. 
Uh, I'll ask her permission first. So Kelsey, I will ask her permission before I do that. Uh, but it is really cool because she goes into great detail about not only um, why she feels he should win the award, but really why he's a hero to her. And that's, oh, that's so sweet. Yeah, I can't wait awesome. to read that. Yeah, I think it's it's really wonderful. I noticed that you said he had a sea service ribbon. Mm-hmm. You know what that means, right? No. He's a Marine, but he if he has a sea service ribbon, that means he spent some time with the Navy. <laughs> really? So, yeah. Okay. So he's a so part he's of your been on the ship somewhere for a, a period of time to earn that sea service. I think it's 90 days or something like that. So you get to serve on a naval vessel to get a sea service ribbon. I have one myself. So, okay. <clears throat> so he's a part of your family. Yeah. We're brothers. So great. Congratulations again, Joe and uh, Kelsey. Thank you so much for nominating him. And uh, so we're going to be reaching out to, to Joe personally and congratulating him and um, making sure that we are aware of all the things that he would like to see in that uh, on our Heroes Gift Package that's coming his way. And also, um, we have our concert in the country coming up here on Saturday, October 21st. And so, Joe, uh, you and Kelsey are invited. I believe we're going to include a couple tickets to the event in the care package. So if you can get here, uh, you're more than welcome. I believe you're in Alabama, so you're not far, right? So you can make it, Mm -hmm. and you got time to plan. So hopefully we'll see you here, and hopefully we'll see others here as well um, if if you'd like to join us. Um, How about, can you guys tell us a little bit about the concert in the country that's coming up and who some of our headliners are going to be? Yeah, so on October 21st, um, we're going to be welcoming Joe Nichols, Daryl Worley, Brie Bagwell, um, let's see, David Joseph, Brianna Adams, Scotty Alexander, and Casey Chestnut. Casey Chestnut. We've got a, a great lineup of amazing artists and musicians coming out to play some live music on a beautiful horse property. Um, and we have vendors and food trucks, and it's very family-friendly. We also do a barbecue cook-off, and so it's just a super patriotic day to come out go to the country hence the name concert in the country um and just listen to some good music and and feel your pride and patriotism for the country and you definitely feel it with the flyover so there is a flyover that takes place as well and i know that's one of your favorite things right and yes. I, I recorded it last year and you guys will probably laugh but if you can envision this i'm recording it on my phone as it's happening and it's going over my head, and I damn near fell over <laughs> backwards doing it. But it was worth it. Was that on the first pass or the second pass? The second pass. Yeah, yeah. that was that was a little bit of a surprise. But <laughs> I do want to mention that if you're coming, like somebody like Joe, who may be in Alabama, if he does consider coming to the concert in the country, obviously yeah, it's going to have to fly down here. But make a weekend trip out of it because on mm-hmm. Friday night we've added a, a little bit of a, a kickoff party with the Chad Cook Band and uh, Southern Disposition. So. Friday night at like 5.30 or 6, we'll get we'll open the gates for a small kickoff party with uh, a food truck and two live bands, a cornhole tournament. So mm-hmm. what, I'm, what I'm saying is that, you know, come down Friday, stay till Sunday and enjoy the whole weekend because it's a, really a whole weekend full of festivities. Yeah. yeah. Except Sunday is more of like a cleanup, teardown day. But if you want to come Recovery back and help do that, you can do that. Put everybody to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and speaking of that, speaking of work, it is a lot of work, but it's it's a it's a joy to do. Um, so full disclosure to folks that didn't listen to episode four uh, about Boots for Truth, but you should. So go back and listen to episode four because we give a great breakdown of Boots for Troops and what all you do and how you started and everything. Um, I am a committee member for the concert in the country, so I'm on the welcome committee. So if you come out, you'll see me there. So be sure to stop by and say hello and love to talk to you and love to talk to you about uh, what you do and what you've done in the service if you did. If not, if you're just a fan of the American Railroading Podcast, that's fine too. Love to talk to you. And Jimmy and Lindsay, of course, will be there as well, although they're very busy. So they'll be running around. I want around. to say something real quick about you, Don. Yeah, Don's, uh, Don is a committee member. And Don's been, Don has been on fire lately. He has been um, doing a lot of great things to help the committee and the organization. You secured a couple sponsorships. We have a huge uh, potential partnership with the local gym that you facilitated. So uh, shout out to you, Don, for all the hard work and yes. what you've been doing to you really, you're really setting, setting an example for the rest of the committee of what a committee member should be doing and um, contributing. So thank you for your hard work. My pleasure. You know, yeah. I love you guys. So. Yeah. And I love what Boots for Troops does. And I love all the testimonials yeah, that we absolutely. see. And that's what it's all about. Yeah. 
Um, so thank you again, guys, and thank you for sponsoring the Honor Heroes gift package. And again, folks, I'm going to be putting a post on LinkedIn that's going to put uh, Joe Malik on blast. And so uh, expect to see that after the episode airs, of course, because uh, I don't want to do anything and, and ruin the surprise. Um, hope to see you at Boots for Troops concert in the country coming up here soon. If you haven't listened to episode four yet about Boots for Troops and our veterans in the, in the railroad industry, please do that. And uh, at lastly, I would like to recognize our anchor sponsor, the Revolution Rail Group. Once again, we're a consulting and brokering firm in the railroad industry. So please feel free to call us if you're in need of buying, selling, leasing, or subleasing rail cars, or if you're looking to uh, need assistance for merger and acquisition consulting, um, improving your efficiency market analysis, that type of thing. You can reach us at 844-455-3434, info at therevolutionrailgroup.com, or you can see our full suite of services at therevolutionrailgroup.com. Stay tuned for our October episode uh, that you don't want to miss that. Oh, and before I forget, we are including one of our, I can show it now, we're including one of our uh, brand new challenge coins. See if I can get out of this package quick with the Honor Heroes gift package for Joe. So I'll put this thing up there. I don't know if producer John can get any kind of a look at that. There's the front and then we'll flip it around. There's the back. We'll also, I'll try to get a picture of this on LinkedIn when I do the blast on Joe or a subsequent uh, post after that. But here, this is for you guys. Oh, thank so, you so yeah, much. You can That's add that so to cool. your collection. Um, but that will be included also on our website uh, once we get the, <laughs> the merch launched. Uh, so that'll be coming up here soon in the next uh, 30 days at the very most. You'll be able to purchase your own and a portion of the proceeds of the sales of our challenge coins for the rest of 2023 is, is going to go toward our friends at Boots for Troops. So Awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, folks. Thank you. God bless you. Make it a great day, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us on the American Railroading Podcast. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app. And if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on a future episode or want to support or sponsor the show, please visit our website at AmericanRailroading.net. Thanks again for joining us today, and we'll see you next time on the American Railroading Podcast.